Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. Uh, it's a great day to be together. Uh, Christmas Eve morning, uh, if that makes sense, right? A great day to be together to, to celebrate, to, to sing, and to, and to sort of open up the scriptures together as we, as we learn uh, from God's word together. Um, we're here to celebrate Christmas. We're here to celebrate Christmas. It's that one time a year that, that everyone celebrates, right? Like both the religious and the irreligious. I think it's the, the Washington Post posters uh, that I was reading last year that said that uh, like 90% plus of Americans celebrate Christmas. Now, admittedly, not everyone celebrates Christmas the same way, right? Not everyone celebrates Christmas the same way, and, and most people don't celebrate Christmas for the same reason that Christians celebrate it, but, but, but they still do. They still do. Like we all do the, the, the Christmas parties, the exchanging of gifts, the, the putting up our trees and hanging up the lights, and, and we all sing songs, every one of us, with lyrics like, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. And you might be someone who doesn't even believe those words, but I'll bet that like you've sung those words or hummed that tune like sometime in the last few weeks, right? Like, isn't it fascinating that this time of year, songs about Jesus, songs about Jesus are all over the radio. They're at every coffee shop. Even at the gym I work out of, they're playing like some punk rock version of Angels We Have Heard On High, right? You know what's a catchy Christmas song? Baby, it's cold outside. You know what's a creepy Christmas song? Baby, it's cold outside, right? Like, who else has noticed that, right? Anyone else noticed that? Like, have you ever actually stopped to listen to the lyrics in that song? Like, this is girl and guy singing, and the girl's singing like she's on this date with this guy. The date's over. She wants to go home. He doesn't want her to go home, and she's like, no, like, I, I really can't stay. The answer is no. And he's singing, don't hold out, baby. It's cold outside, right? <laughs> And it goes on like that for five minutes. The dude, like, no does not mean no to this guy, right? When you actually take a moment to listen to those, to those lyrics and unpack them for the first time, then you start to notice new things, don't you? 
Like how shockingly creepy it is. What about all our Christmas carols about, about Jesus that we sing all the time? We can almost get inoculated by the good news in those, in those verses. But when you actually take a moment to listen to the lyrics of our favorite Christmas carols, you start to notice new things like how shockingly world-changing the birth of Jesus is. Human history, it literally divides at his birth. It divides at his birth from, from B.C., right? Which means before Christ, to A.D., which is the Latin phrase Anno Domini, which is the year of our Lord, right? Human history literally divides at his birth. Jesus is a man of whom more songs have been sung, more books have been written, more art has been commissioned than anyone else who has ever lived or ever will live. And today... Today, we're gathering with billions of professing Christians around the world and throughout history to take, take sort of a break from our regular affairs and celebrate, worship, honor, and adore the man Jesus Christ who has forever changed human history. Every year at this time, the world celebrates and sings the same songs and we tell the same Christmas story. But if you ever stop to consider the weight of it, the importance of it, like you all know all the characters of the stories, right? You've got the nativity scene set up on your coffee table at home and you know the sequence of events, but have you ever actually like stopped to, to consider what does it all mean? What does this all mean? Why is Christmas such a big deal? Why does the birth of Jesus matter, and does it still matter today? Even the atheist uh, historian slash novelist, H.G. Wells, he once admitted, he says, I'm a historian, I'm not a believer, but I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the center of history. He says, Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of human history. So let me tell you where we're going this morning. We're a brand new church, right? We're a brand new church, and some of you are, are new. And you're, and you're here because either, one, you're curious about who Jesus is, and you've got, you've got questions, you're looking for answers. Or two, you're here because it's, it's Christmas Eve, and this is what we do at, at Christmas time, right? You go to church on Christmas Eve. But whatever reason that God brought you here, like, I'm just glad that, that you're here. I'm glad that you're here. And our goal as a church community, we've been, we've been saying this for the last year or so, our goal for as a church community is to always provide this, this sort of safe space for anyone on the faith spectrum to, to explore and to learn about who Jesus is and what it means to, to walk in his ways. I want to tell you right now out the gate sort of the plan for this morning. Like, like my hope is that regardless of how you got here today, whether you've been with us from day one or you're visiting us for, for the, the first time this morning, I, I want you to walk away from this room with, with a bigger view of who Jesus is. I want you to walk away with a, with a bigger view of, of who Jesus is and, and why his birth matters today. 
We'll be looking at and unpacking Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. This single verse that Kelsey just read, which says, Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we're going to spend the rest of our sermon on that single word. We're going to spend the rest of our sermon on that single word, Emmanuel. And so someone here might be thinking, like, oh, sweet, it's going to be a really short sermon. Uh, sorry to disappoint you. Uh, Emmanuel, that word, that name, Emmanuel, is sort of this, this prophetic nickname that's given to Jesus, which literally means, as it says in that verse, it means God with us. God with us. And the weight and the force of the Christmas story is found in those three words. And the majesty and beauty of the Christmas story is found in those three words. And so let's, let's unpack them, all right? God with us. So our first point we're going to look at as we're unpacking that phrase is the fact that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Now look, if you want to strip down the meaning of Christmas to like its simplest, most basic foundational level, the simplest point of Christmas would be this. That the creator of the universe, the creator of all the universe became a human being. Became a human being. You see, the primary meaning of, of Christmas is that. Like that's, that's base level one. Everything else follows from that. And so what do you think of when I ask the question like, what is the meaning of Christmas? Some of us might think joy, right? Joy is the meaning of Christmas. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And those are all good and true, but they aren't primary. They aren't primary. All of those actually flow out of the primary point that the creator God of the universe became a human being. Jesus isn't just a good man, or he's not just a good teacher. He's not the half-brother of the devil or some divine therapist or like your holy homeboy, right? Jesus said it plainly, and the scriptures testify again and again that he is God. That's what that name means, Emmanuel, God with us. Read these two verses in Colossians with me. It says, uh, beginning in, in, in Colossians 1, verse 16, it says, For by Him, this is talking about Jesus now, by Him, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And so what these verses tell us is that Jesus is creator God. He's the one through whom all things were made. You see, these verses speak of his greatness. <laughs> His godness, right? His otherness from us. It says that he's the creator of all. Every single one of us are created beings. He's in a completely different category all to himself. He made the whole universe, including this galaxy, this huge galaxy that we call home. This giant hurricane of stars and planets and space dust, it all exists just because he spoke it into being. 
He created everything from the heavens on high to the depths down below. He's the maker of even the most massive supernova in the sky and the most microscopic quark in a particle. I want the weight of that. I want the weight of that truth to to sink in for you. The greatness of this God-man that we sing of. You see, some of us, when we think of Jesus, we don't think about His greatness. We don't think about His majesty. We don't think about His otherness, His, His godness. We think of Him as baby Jesus, right? Nativity Jesus, meek and mild Jesus. Maybe even pushover Jesus. But these verses, these verses, they tell us that He's the physical image of the invisible God. And before he took on flesh and walked this earth, he stood above all creation, above everything that you and I know. He made it all. Like, let that sink in. It's one thing to know that the Grand Canyon is huge, right? Can we all agree with that? The Grand Canyon is huge. It's one thing to have knowledge of that, but it's something else entirely to stand at the edge of it and to get the sense of its hugeness. To feel it. It's one thing to intellectually know that Jesus is the creator God. To know that he's great. But it's something else entirely to get a sense of the weight of his glory. To where you know him. You sense his his greatness. Where you have a taste for his glory. It's more than mere knowledge in your head, but it actually burrows down into your heart and, and it changes you. It stirs you on and spurs you to to worship. I promise you, whatever your view of God is that you walked in this morning, it's not big enough. It's not big enough. That's why our goal this morning is that when you leave this room, you have a bigger view of who Jesus is. A bigger view that is a truer view of who he is. And so look, when we talk about Jesus as God, about his sovereign greatness, that needs to be our starting point. You see, some of us treat Jesus as like our cosmic therapist who's who's there to give us good advice or who's there to make us feel better about ourselves. And does he give us good advice? Yes. But he's primarily God. He's a God who's other than us. He's a God who's great. The God who made us, and because He made us, He therefore owns us. So that's our first point, that Jesus is God. And here's the crazy thing about that, is that this great God, Jesus, who is categorically other than us, is also the one who came down. He came down to save us, to help those who were helpless. Sinners like me, sinners like you. Jesus is God with us. That's our second point. Jesus is God with us. Our great God in all his splendor, in all his majesty, in his infinite greatness, he's come down to be with us, to come alongside us and to pursue an intimate relationship with his people, 
God with us. That's what his name means. God with us. You see, in the, in the Old Testament, long before Jesus was born, we read about the prophet named Moses. We read about the prophet Moses, and there's this moment where Moses is up on a mountain, and he's speaking to the Lord, and he asks God to see the full presence of, of his glory. He says, God, I want to see your full presence. I want to see the fullness of your glory. He longed, Moses longed to see the glory of God in the fullness of its power. And God basically denies Moses a view of his full glory, and instead he gives Moses like a veiled view, a partial view. And he doesn't do that to, to, to tease Moses. But he does it to protect him because the glory of God had such force and, and power to it that if Moses were to look at it like straight on, if he were to see the glory of God like right on, then he would be totally destroyed. Remember like some, some months ago, I think it was during the summer, when they had that like solar eclipse? And like everyone ordered these special glasses and Starbucks was giving them out because people wanted to look at it, Right? They wanted to look at it. People were making these, these little things out of foil and shoebox so they could see the, the eclipse go through. And you had to go through all that trouble if you wanted to see the eclipse because if you looked at it straight on, what do they tell you? You're going to go blind, right? You can't look at it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy your eye. I was at Disneyland that day. Um, we, we, like, uh, we got to, to Disneyland in like late morning, so the sun was up, and I caught a glimpse of the eclipse on accident on the reflection of my car as like I was taking my daughter out of the car. And there was like this white spot in the middle of my eye like the whole day throughout Disneyland. You see, because if you looked at it straight on, like that was the, the force of these light rays, of these sun rays. It would just burn your eyes. You see, Moses couldn't look at the glory of God because it's like that, but at a grander scale. Now, imagine if Moses, who was denied the fullness of seeing the glory of God, was actually here this morning, sitting in a seat next to you or, or in front of you, and he was listening to the message of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. God veiling himself in the human flesh of a baby child. Imagine that he read a verse like, the verses like the ones in, in John chapter 1, which, which says in verse 14, the word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then in verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now imagine Moses was sitting here this morning, listening to a Christmas message, reading those ver verses. Man, he would lose his mind. He would lose his mind in joy. Like this guy would go ballistic. He'd be running left and right, and he'd say, do, do you guys know what this means? Do you know what this means? He says, this is the one thing that I longed for that I was denied. This means that you can meet God intimately through Jesus, through a child. You can know him personally without getting destroyed. 
Moses would say joy has come to the world. Light has come into darkness. Now, why did Jesus have to come down to be with us? Why did he have to come down to be with us? In in Genesis 3, we learn that when sin entered the world, what happened? It fractured creation. You see, in the beginning, God made everything and he called it good. But when sin entered the world... That everything that was good got stained by this sin. That's why we now live in a world that's broken, that's fallen, and that's imperfect. Like any one of us who's paying attention can just look around and know that this world is broken. It's not what it should be, right? We all have that innate sense in us. Things are not that where they should be. How do we know that? How do we know that? It's almost like we're made in the image of God and we know that that creation is meant to be better. But things are broken. And that's the condition that we've all inherited. You see, you and I are broken too. We're broken from birth. We're brought forth in iniquity, as the scriptures say. We are, apart from the grace of God at work in our lives, we all are rebellious against our Creator. The Bible says that there is none that is righteous, no, not one. And so therefore, we now have this fractured relationship with God. And we face the payment for our sin, which the Bible says is death. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin, the price of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in who? In Christ Jesus our Lord. God with us. You see, here's the reason Jesus came. He came to step into the middle of our mess and to bring us peace by his blood. His blood shed on a cross where he absorbed the just and fair wrath of God and gave us, through his resurrection, his own righteousness as a gift. He came to bring lasting joy and salvation to sinners. And he did so, he did so clothed in the humble vulnerability of a child. God with us. That's why his nickname is Emmanuel. It tells something about his, his nature, about who he is, Right? Sometimes when we hear nicknames, like it, sometimes nicknames are meant to be like ironic, right? That's why like the biggest guy on the football team is always called Tiny, right? Sometimes our nicknames are supposed to say something about about who we are to someone, right? Like I, I, I call my wife like one of my nicknames for her is, is is my love or my lovey, and that's because she's she's the woman I love. I know it's super creative, right? <laughs> but you see that's. That, that, that's that's a, something that's true about her identity and how, how she relates to me. And so when the Bible says that Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us, see, that name explains who he is in the truest sense of that word, that he is God with us. To close, I want to read this great little passage in Philippians 2. In Philippians 2, verses 6, it says, 6 through 8, it says, Though he, speaking of Jesus, though Jesus was in the form of God, he did not account, or he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, 
being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, this passage says that he took the form of a servant. He didn't give up being God. He just also became a servant. That's mind-boggling. The creator of the universe came to serve the creatures, the rebellious creatures that he made. He didn't shed his godness. He didn't shed his divine nature, but he took on a human nature to serve us. It says he was born in the likeness of men. Now, if right now, if you were given like this brief glimpse of who Jesus was, if you were given a glimpse into heaven and you saw Jesus as God with his divinity on full display in all his glory and all his beauty and all his brightness, like it would just knock you to the floor. It would just knock you to the floor. Jesus' three best friends, three, his three best friends saw a short glimpse of what he looked like in that state. And when they saw him like that, they fell on their faces. They fell on their faces. It would just knock you to the floor. You see, Jesus came without any of that. He left that glory, that beauty, that majesty behind he came as an ordinary child. And it also says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus lowered himself into a manger on Christmas Day. But he also lowered himself into the grave at the end of his ministry on earth. He lowered himself into the manger and he lowered himself into the grave. And he lowered himself so that we could be lifted up. You see, you and I are always trying to fill our lives with counterfeit glories. We're always trying to fill our lives with these counterfeit glories. And when we do that, we always end up tired and we end up empty. The Jesus who had true glory, he emptied himself so that we could be truly full in him even if it cost him his life. You see, this is the good news of the Christmas story. This is the good news of the Christmas story. God with us. God came for us. Last week, Brian mentioned that there are two kinds of people uh, that you run into at Christmas time. There's, there's either on the one hand the people who are like all about Christmas, right? They love the celebrations. They love the nostalgia. It's a happy, joyous time, right? Or on the other hand, you might be the kind of person to where like Christmas is kind of depressing, right? It touches on a, on a nerve. It reminds you of maybe a, a, a loss, a loved one who's no longer here. If you're in the first camp, if you're somebody who loves Christmas, you love the joy and the parties and the happiness and the celebrations and the nostalgia of it, let this morning's message of God with us, let that be your greater joy. I'm not saying have a lesser joy in those other things, but let this be your greater joy. And if you're maybe one of those people that's, that's hurting during this season because of a, a loss, Christmas time touches, touches a sensitive nerve, 
And man, let, let, let this message of God with us, let God with us be your greater comfort. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. You're not a believer. You've heard the invitation of Jesus this morning, the good news of his birth, and you've come to the realization that, that you need to be spiritually remade. You heard me say, you know, there's, there's brokenness in the world around us, and you're like, yeah, I see that. You heard me say there's brokenness inside of that, and you're like, yeah, I sense that. The Bible would say that you need to be made new. And if that's you then know that you can come to Him just as you are. You don't have to clean yourself up for Him. That's the point of Christmas. He came down to help the helpless. You see, the way to salvation isn't, let's get our way, let's work our way up to where God is. That would be impossible. He's categorically different from us. And yet God in the messiness in the brokenness, in the imperfection of what his creation became, he came to be with us. You come to him as you are. There's no shame on the other side of the cross of Jesus. Only joy and life and God with us. Our prayer is that that would be true of all of you this morning. And for all of us, I want us to feel the weight of those three words. Wherever you are on the spectrum, you can still be a hardened skeptic, and that's, that's, that's fine with us. Like I said, we, we try and be a kind of church community that creates a safe place for people to genuinely explore who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. But wherever you are on the faith spectrum, whether you're, you're new to this, whether you have questions, or you've been a Christian since, since you were a little kid, I want all of us to feel the weight of those words, God with us. There's this 18th century minister named John Wesley. He's a founder of the Methodist Church. And, and on his deathbed, his last spoken words on his deathbed were, the best of all is God is with us. His last dying words, best of all. I mean, this guy started a movement of churches in the 18th century that's still around today. He's seen a lot of cool things in his lifetime, and he says, best of all, God is with us, Emmanuel. He died with those words on his lips. Let's now consider their weight and live with them in our hearts. Thank you for listening to the King's Cross Church Podcast. We'd like to encourage listeners to be part of a local church gathering. If you're ever in the Orange County, California area, we'd love it if you come by and visit on a Sunday morning. For meeting times and locations or any other information about us, please visit kx.church. There's no .com in that, just kx.church. Thanks again for listening.